All right, dedication time. So Cynthia knows it's dedication. What would you like to dedicate the episode to? I would like to dedicate this episode to all of the fabulous female filmmakers in the Twin Cities. Yes. There are so many right now who are having their screenplays, place in competitions. They're having their film screening and winning awards. And um, it's I think it's a really exciting time for women in the Twin Cities. And we all know each other and... We're pretty supportive of each other. So I would say not exciting. just in front of the camera. There is a mess. Of, just check the oh, credits. Yeah. There's men behind the camera crews and everything. Oh, yes. yes. Wonderful, talented people. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I have a nonprofit in the moment films, which our mission statement is to provide employment opportunities for filmmakers, women filmmakers. Yes. In front of and behind the camera. So. Let's do it. All I'm right. I'm all about to, that. Let's dedicate to women filmmakers. We're back. Uh, I'd let you know uh, before we continue. I'm on YouTube, Kyle at Nick on Film. You can catch that on YouTube. Uh, simply Kyle, Gothi, and I will critique two movies a week. Uh, right now, this summer, we're covering disaster movies of the 70s. I think Cynthia would know disaster movies of the <laughs> 70s. Um, so check it out. Check out the Patreon. Like and subscribe to that show. Today we have Cynthia Urick. Ah, yeah. I always like a girl's, a lady's name with the word sin in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my alter ego is Sin Divine. Oh, is it really? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to have to search. <laughs> Google search that quick. Uh, Cynthia has been doing movies for how long? Oh, my goodness. Well, I literally started acting when I was in the third grade and wrote my first play and starred and directed in it. Was I it was... on, like, your notebook? <clears throat> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah. I charged I charged people to see it, and I cast it and, and produced it. And what? I was 10 years old, you know. Yeah. So crazy. Nice. I yeah. know. But, uh, of course, I fell in love with acting. I did that all through high school and then graduated with my degree um, from the University of Wisconsin, Stevens Point. Oh, Stevens, okay. And, um, yeah, and I acted in all kinds of films and commercials, and I did print work. And I did that in the Twin Cities, and then I moved to Jacksonville, Florida. And I did a lot of theater and commercial work there. And then from there, I went to Los Angeles, and I did commercial work I did film work I did television all kinds of fun stuff came back to the Twin Cities because I loved the Midwest excuse me and there were lots of opportunities for young people who want to make their way in the career in a career I also started doing some production work uh, at that time I worked as a, a a couple of times as a production coordinator and a PA on some films and other projects commercials so yeah, like, it, production kind of is a huge umbrella because you can do it art, is. you can yeah. set it up, you can manage production, manage the crew. So production right. is kind of a loose right. terminology, right? And I was um, oddly really good at it. And I remember being on a set and the coordinator came up to me and said, we are letting the other two PAs go on this job because you're on top of it and we only need you and we're going to double your pay. And then later she came to me and said, listen. Well, that's good news. I know. I have to tell other people bad news. But. No, I know. But, which, that, sorry for them, but I, yeah. I could see why they weren't paying attention. 
and they weren't sticking around so that they would be accessible when needed. Yeah. And um, you kind of have to be on high alert and you can't be dozing and you can't be away from the set. You have to be present and mindful and at every level at every level well i think you know not only do i've directed i've been on production pa for many years and done other things and i think it gets very deceiving to when you're on a film set because there's so much downtime Mm -hmm. in so many ways you can get in trouble and your brain goes off because absolutely currently setting up and it's very much a discipline of stay focused when there's really nothing going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, so true. Edward G. Robertson so used to say, "You're you're not paying me to act; you're paying me to stay." Because <laughs> <laughs> there's true. many more times where you're not it's acting; true. you're just yep. sitting in your chair waiting to set yep. up and how everything. So, yeah, yeah. So I was at this real crossroads then at one point because she said, "Listen, if you want to work doing what I do, I can train you and teach you, and you'd be fabulous as a crew person." But she said, if you want to be healthy and be an actress and keep your skin nice and, uh, you know, look youthful, then right. you don't want to be in production because it's going to really beat the hell out of you. <laughs> and um, and I saw her about 10 years later, and she looked pretty beat, <laughs> i got to say. <laughs> no, it, it was, it was well, it's, it's long true. Hours. It's, it's long really hours. long hours. And, you know, lots of partying, too, like after shooting for how many hours – you know, the, those crew members would get together and have drinks and, you know, smoke and hang out. And this is after a long day in the sun. 16 hours of us on set yeah, or 12 hours in on the set. Sun. And, then, so, and then you want to you wanna release because right, you've been right. working all day. I understand that. So that was a really interesting thing that I had to make this choice that, nope, I, I'm an actress. That's what I'm going to do. So it's funny that you know, fast forward all of these years mm-hmm. and now here I am actually you know directing directing and, and yeah. producing and writing and well i think it's healthy because you, know. you did different avenues yeah before yeah. you started directing because you know what everybody's right. going through and i was a teacher you know i taught acting classes um for 16 years and that was um you don't do it anymore i'm not i'm not teaching right now i think okay. i'm letting that go i think i really want to focus more on writing producing and directing sure yeah um you know, I may find my way back to it. I don't know. The pandemic sort of put everything on pause. And so it gave me a real opportunity to dig into writing. And I think that's where I want my focus to be right now. Yeah. That's what has me really excited. And I feel like even if I have to work some sort of a part-time, not exciting job, but I can spend the rest of my time writing, I think that's a good way to spend my time. I think, yeah, my film premiered at Z-Fest and I didn't, you know. Congratulations, all, well, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's first time directing and yeah. assembling our crew and everything. But How exciting. It Was is it? kind of, yeah, it's, exci- it's exciting, but I, I've said the volume of the anticipation, volume of anxiety goes lower because of other things I've done with my life, like, you know, the refereeing is a high anxiety, sure. high pressure sure. thing because you cannot screw up and can't make mistakes because if you make a mistake reference football, guess what? Everybody on TV saw it and 40,000 people saw it and <laughs> you're dressed in a clown outfit and yeah. yeah so yeah the volume of presenting movie just doesn't really obviously there's anticipation and anxiety too but it's just not that <gasps> panic right. attacky so right. um and of course when you do that the first thing you want to do is what's what's another thing i could do right what's another thing i can do or i was already thinking about the next project as my mm-hmm. movie was playing <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah, it's like maybe i want to do this yeah next. yeah why don't we do the opposite or something like that well i have to say there was n- there's such a big thrill. It's one thing to see yourself in a film that makes it onto the big screen. I mean, that's that's super exciting, no doubt about it. Yeah. 
but the anxiety level is twice as high when it's a film that you directed or that you mm. wrote, produced, and directed. Um, I the fear of that. I mean, yeah, I'll I never forget. When, I'm not um, trying to downplay my yeah. experience from it because it's, no, so, I know. Um, it's very because that's your name. That's that's a, that's like, like opening up a wound to show everybody, right? Almost yeah, like a, it's yeah. like you're putting yourself out there in an even bigger way. Or maybe it's just because I, I've been acting for so long that that doesn't have the same threshold of anxiety because I feel like I maybe know more what I'm doing with yeah, the acting experience. and I'm still learning to be a director. Yeah. And I'm still, you know, I mean, my goodness, I still feel like I have so much to learn and I, I get scared that time's going to run out, you know, so yeah. I'm just, I am just doing as much as I possibly can while I still feel good and I've got the energy and, you know, I, um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the, the clock is ticking a little bit. You right. Know? Well, I, people I got me to 40 years to finally do what I've always wanted to do. Right. So, right. yeah, you got to keep yeah. going. I think you can't, even if it's not a good, if your film doesn't get well received, keep going. Oh, right. Yeah. And they're not all going to be great. I mean, and that's that's a really no. powerful thing to understand. Uh, yeah. Even know? if you're a good, even if you're like Spielberg, he does well, have right. like, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, well, goodness gracious, you know, these people are making huge blockbuster movies and they can still have one that's a stinker. So, and they've got, you know, top-notch crew and a huge budget, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, you know, like we need to cut ourselves a break. <laughs> And the thing is, you know, I did not go to film school, and sometimes I, um, sometimes I feel um, deficient because of that. And but I've kind of learned to get over it because I've spent so many years on sets, and you know, and and I just have to give myself a break with that and say, you know, enough about film and what you don't know, you'll figure out. And you're not a stupid person. <laughs> And, you know, it's it's okay that I didn't go to film school. I've augmented my education in other ways. Right. So. I think, well, every, my background is from other aspects, and I've mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. And I think it still applies when mm-hmm. you're assembling who you want to work with. Right. And I think it's, that's the most important thing to a movie is who you want to work with. Not so much what the story is and everything because, mm-hmm. you know, everybody – a story could be really good, mm-hmm. and you put kind of the – wrong things to the go it's gonna together fall. right uh, yeah but a story a story but, can be really basic but a really good assembled team could really right and i Although, know that about, i know that about a comic book i'm gonna say i'm gonna say no i'm gonna what? say story if Story's you good? don't have an amazing story to tell i don't know that's just that's everything hangs on that that is so critical and the number one thing that i've learned to now is that you really need to take your screenplays and then put them aside and then go back and look at them. Oh, yeah. And like rework give them. It a, give and then it a you need to put them aside again. And then you need to give them to other people to get feedback. And you need to workshop them. And you need to have readings. And um, I think if I could have done more of that for misplaced trust, that that script would have been – the dialogue would have been stronger. I think the story was very good. Oh, I've di- seen it. The yeah, dialogue the yeah. is is – problematic and i had to kill a lot of darlings i had to go back through that and film and just say that was not good <laughs> so there's a lot that's in yeah. misplaced trust now that um you know 
a lot was pared away because I just, and it was great to put it away for a while and go back and look at it with fresh eyes and say, okay. yeah, that's not so good. <laughs> I need to just, that's not, that's not strong, you know, right. yeah. and getting to be, learning to be more discerning of your own work and um, being willing to take criticism, you know, just like right, I teach yeah. my actors, it's to help you grow. It's to help you get better. And so you can't get defensive about it. You have to just look at the source and make sure that it's a quality source for the yeah. feedback. And then understand that there's some things that you have to say, this is not worth fighting for. But this other thing, this is super important to me. This, I'm sorry. This you cannot you cannot comment on or take away. I'm going to finesse this and this is staying. Right, yeah. You know? yeah I'm going to fight for this. I'm going to fight for it. I think it's going to exactly. be effective. Uh, when you write, um, do you have an ending in mind? I love this question. <laughs> Are you right to it? It really depends. In some cases, it's like I can see the story all played out. Um, I've started writing now more with a beat breakdown and a sense of uh, more of a um, outline yeah but sometimes leaving it sort of open to see what's going to happen because maybe something in the following the outline and exploring the story is going to change the ending significantly um i mostly am thinking about like the the tone you know the overall tone is it upbeat is it you know what what is the feeling that I want the film to convey? And then how do I make the characters and the dialogue serve that story, you know? Yeah, so it sounds like you almost have, you know where you have to go. Yeah, but I kind of leave it loose, too, for for inspiration, you know? it's But it's really funny. I don't know if anyone else has this experience, but whenever I'm writing something and I'm struggling and I'm chewing and... Um, there's a lot of time that I don't spend writing that is spent doing other things. Like, this sounds really I'm weird. I'm laughing because, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah because you spend more time thinking about it than actually... Right, right, so, yeah. and working stuff out. And one of the funny things <laughs> that yeah. I like to do is I go to thrift stores, and I walk around, and I put together little outfits, and I hang them on the, um, you know, like as a display... Because it shifts my mind into a different creative space, putting together clothes and something that's cute, you know, and I'll find a necklace and I'll hang this whole thing and I'll leave it somewhere for someone else to find. Um, it's a really bizarre thing. And sometimes but I don't even... it does even, work for you. It does. Yeah. And just looking at... Something about looking at clothing or looking at art or reading uh, an inspiring book or just going for a walk... You know, and I'm working stuff out. But what I find really interesting is the times that I will stumble upon something that will be the aha. Like I will see something happen between two people or I will see something in a store or I will read a passage that is like, wait, that's that's that fits for my story. That's what this is about. You know, like some ahas that occur, I think because we get into that zone of that piece that I think that we're all kind of looking for that right encompasses yeah, yeah and all of a sudden you know things jump out it's almost like you when know? you do a puzzle and you find the piece that puts it all together almost like it's yeah. the bridge You're like yeah. yes there it is and sometimes you find that there was a theme and you didn't even know it you know like 
I'll go back and I'll be like, oh my God, there's the, there's the thread, there's the spine running through the piece because I added this piece and I wasn't even aware that this made this work. So anyways, it's, it's, yeah. it's really fun though. I had the best. I think writing is, I, you know, everybody talks about, oh, it's so difficult and hard and, mm-hmm. but people don't do it just because that it's actually an enjoyable creating something. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is. It's painful and creative and marvelous. It's all of it. (laughs) It really is. It really is. It's all of it, you know. Um, Now, I've I've shared this many times on my show. I speak out my dialogue before I write it out. Mm -hmm. So I'm in my backyard doing, like, correspondent, you know, the volleying server. And I think my neighbor Mm -hmm. thinks I'm probably schizophrenic. (laughs) Probably. But that works for me. (laughs) (laughs) And many, many, many more cards. Yes. I read it out loud. You read it out, yeah. Mm-hmm. I also to. have the problem of, in real life, when I'm talking to people, because if I'm writing too much and I ha- now I'll go out and socialize and mm-hmm. then course, course, I'm like, no, that's that doesn't work. You have to say it, say it this way, or <laughs> <laughs> how's, how's your day? No, we don't say it. Say it this way, or something like. That. So uh, <laughs> I know I'm been writing too much. We're in the real world. I want, yeah. Uh, I don't you want to direct how people speak. <laughs> So, how's the weather that's today? Funny. No, I don't want to talk about this. Let's yeah. go this way. Yeah, that's so cliche. That's cliche. We don't like cliches. <laughs> Do you have a favorite, though? Cliche? Yeah. Oh. Or you just intentionally try to just get away from no. them? No. Yeah, I try to get away from them. That's the number one. You know, I work as a um, as a judge for NYC Midnight, which is a literary contest Okay. out of New York. And they have screenplays and flash fiction and... Um, and short fiction and all, all kinds of different things. So I, I judge all of these things. And that's the number one thing that I've noticed in the screenplays is the cliches. And it's like, oh gosh. Running in the elevator or running at, running in the airport. Yeah. 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 Or the cliche lines of dialogue, you know, that just like, okay, well we know that people say that, but let's not put that in the movie because it's just not there's another better way to say it that's more interesting right you know or uh it's just a form of i don't know what else to do right kind of thing. right yeah. and i've seen it in movies before so many times yeah, yeah. somebody's yeah. got to eat an apple to show how yeah. <laughs> bad they are right you know um, things like when it rains it pours you know there's oh, a more yeah. creative I love way the, i love those raining raining that. at raining in a funeral Let's do it. <laughs> it's got to rain at a funeral. All right. I've never been to one yet, but let's do it. Uh, yeah. Got raining at a funeral. Yes. That's, those are love. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, if, you, if you're going to put it in there, put a different perk into it, right? Mm-hmm. If don't, mm-hmm. It's not a copyrighted thing. If you're going to like rain in a funeral, let's do something with it. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I'm really talking more about cliche dialogue. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there also is cliche scenes, too. Yeah, that's what I'm um, more is okay. Yeah. You know. But dialogue yet, yeah. 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 Catchphrases. Yeah. I try to I always try to, to when I write, if I have a catchphrase, play against it. Mm-hmm. Something like, That was stupid. Why'd you say that? <laughs> <laughs> or something yeah. like that. But yeah, yeah head them off at the pass or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the old town, ghost town, right? Yeah. Um, do you set a time for writing? Do you have like a nope. schedule or nope. just when I you mean get... it just it just depends. Some some weeks I'm like writing, you know, every morning. Other times I can't go near it. I just have to mm-hmm. chew and walk around and you know Mar- let it marinate. Let it marinate. Yeah. Right. I do exactly. have one concept that I think would play right, 
but I haven't started writing it because I want all the kind of fill in a little bit of stuff in between. Mm-hmm. I know how the first and second and third act will go, but I wanted to mm-hmm. really, maybe I should write an outline for it. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Before I get started. Yeah. Well, and sort of knowing those beats of your screenplay are important, oh, oh, oh. you know, and, and having a sense of how the rhythm changes. I mean, I'm, and I'm, I'm not saying that I think I've got any of this down quite yet. I really, I feel really fortunate that the films have been doing well. You know, most of them have been well received. Some of them I'm prouder than others. Um, but I don't feel like I've got it yet. And I don't know if I'll ever feel that way. I feel like every film I do, I've gathered so much new information about how to make the story better, how to make the dialogue better, how to better interact with my crew, how to, you know, direct a performance in a better way. I mean, it's like a never-ending learning experience. I will never say that, oh, yeah, I got this. You know, I, and, and that's, I think, probably why I'm sticking with it because I get bored very easily. (laughs) If I had a regular, you know, office job doing the same thing, Every day for five days a week, I think I would jump off a bridge. I think that's why you know? Robert Altman did so many movies. Yeah, because it makes you crazy if you can't. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just so interesting because every single one is a brand new, brand new baby being birthed, you know. <laughs> and the, the whole journey of his film career, mm-hmm. uh, and he's done wonderful films and there's a lot of people don't like working with him because mm-hmm. he's so he's kind of stubborn a little bit. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite things is his, his he was making a movie and in the process of making the movie he knows it was gonna, the result was it could be great. And somebody he had to do an interview to promote the movie. I can't remember what it's the movie, but he just said, "What's your next movie going to do?" And it's like, "I'm probably going to be filming a wedding. This is going to just bomb." <laughs> and it turned out the movie was going to be entirely and the movie was and I can't remember the title of it, but it was just a wedding reception about how conversations and yes yes <laughs> so i think even the interview he got the idea why don't we just yeah. do that just let it flow like how yeah. a wedding reception is and people yeah. let the camera have he a flow. loved those overlaps <laughs> i worked on a film as an actor that had those and i'm going to tell you that is the hardest freaking thing to do as for an sound actor. as yeah. an actor even actor. because yeah because there would be something else going on while you're trying to say your lines <laughs> and then someone else is in inter- it it was just I can be. It could be a little bit it discombobulating. Was really right. discombobulating. Right. Like I just could not wait to have that those sections finished because they were really, really hard. And you know, and all of us actors in that one particular scene, I'm thinking of in our little group, we were all 45 plus at the time. One of our actors was quite old, quite a bit older. And then, um, so. It was challenging for us because as you get older, it's a little harder to juggle so many things. It's just just a different – it was just really difficult. It was just one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my acting career. It makes things look effortless, kind of like how you did like Nashville. Like the Mm -hmm. music's playing and you could – you know, the music's even in the background and the concert's going. Mm -hmm. But then you can have the dialogue. Goal, yeah, you know, the conversation at the table and everything, mm-hmm. and that's even when it looks the camera looks boring. There's the, the sound goes in and out. There's mm-hmm. constant motion, even with the sound, even in the movie yeah. Nashville, which is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Is there particularly um, 
film that you kind of like a genre that you like or do you like watching all kinds of films or you know it's it's funny I um I am not a fan of the gory horror at all um but I some horror the more sophisticated psychological horror and body horror I think is really interesting I hate westerns have never liked westerns except I've written a western that's actually doing Okay. really well um, and getting noticed and getting some awards um, in screenplay competitions. And I absolutely love it, um, which, <laughs> you know, I, partly because the subject matter is Edward S. Curtis, who is a Native American photographer. Yeah. And so it's a historical fiction piece. Oh, okay. Um, and, but it's, it's still, you'd consider it a Western because um, it's got, you know, the good guys and the bad guys. It's and clearly, in this case, yeah. the Native Americans win. Um, but yeah, and it's a piece that I'm actually incredibly excited about. It's going to, I'm going to have to raise a lot of money, probably going to have to go to a different location. Um, but you it's tough to film it here, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's one of those projects that I think is going to be my, you know, my big one. It's probably about two years out. Do you have um, a, so it's a full feature? Not, not a feature yet, okay. but it's 25 pages. Oh, pretty close. Um, yeah, it's it's like yeah. halfway there. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm contemplating whether or not I should expand it into a feature. It's something. It's a big commitment, about. isn't it? Right. Yeah. It is, yeah. and it it since it's I got horses and you know it's a period piece, the costs go up exponentially to do something like that. You know. Because you got to get the training the horses yeah. and all that, right? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, our budget for um, Oh My Stars, which was. Um, 20 minutes, 21 minutes was $25,000. Right. Yeah. You know, that's um, the key. Yeah. And it's because it was, you know, it, it's expensive to get vintage cars and clothing and the right sets and the right props. And I mean, it's that adds you, right. to the budget. And quite then when a you bit. invest that much, you want to take care of after post, which we're look good right look right you get the right, right editors the music right. and everything because you, you invested so much time in that and exactly and that post you just don't want to oh, yeah. go lazy it and right. post and just right. spit it out there right yeah right yeah and our post drove up the cost so i had to keep raising funds i mean i raised funds for like a year and a half ongoing <laughs> you know it just was never ending but you know on the upside when we screened it at the riverview they were kind enough to host us um you know, I, and a tip to my fellow filmmakers out there is, you know, have a screening, invite everybody you can, um, the crew and their friends and family. And, and then, um, you get kind of a barometer of whether or not they liked it because you put out a little box asking for funds to help with right, festivals. Yeah. yeah. And we raised $2,000 to help, nice? to help us because film festivals are expensive, you know? I know because there's right there's so many on film freeway and you're like right and then you have to like yeah. does my film apply to what they were looking for right so it's almost like a an adventure on itself and can I tell you too what I kind of think happened um, I I have a feeling that when COVID hit I think a lot of people there are so many film festivals that are one year old that are brand new yeah we have advertised I, one yeah. yeah and I sort of feel like. Uh, some people maybe look at it as a money-making scheme, you know, because when you have that many brand new festivals all of a sudden cropped up during a time when, you know, people 
didn't have jobs and didn't have work. I thought it was a little bit interesting. I'm just going to say yeah. it was kind of um, well, the one shocking we, the, how many one-year festivals there were. The one we advertised, you have to be a first-time filmmaker. That's the criteria. Which so, one do you advertise? Uh, first Frame Film Festival International oh, okay. in Las Vegas. You okay. have to be a first-time filmmaker. Well, that's different. I'm not yeah. talking about being a first-time filmmaker. I'm talking about festivals that yeah, popped up. Brand new. And you don't brand new yet. festivals. Yep. I swear to God, hundreds and hundreds of festivals popped up. So you kind of have to do your research and see, you know, and some of them you can tell they're a little bit sketchy. You yeah. have to be, you know, careful. All right. You yeah. know, when they don't have a website or whatever. But <laughs> but there are some good ones here. There are. There's yeah. good Duluth ones has, here. Duluth has a good one. Uh, yeah. Duluth Superior has one that's been mm-hmm. going for a while. Um, oh, there's several good uh, ones yeah, here. Yeah, I don't know if Highway 60 was it Highway 61. Yep, was they, it? They're wonderful. They're, yeah. They took a break this year. Yeah. Um, I hope they come back. Cause they had, I do, too. Those, those, and, I think it's Pine City, right? Yep, Pine City. Yeah, which is fun. Yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> I was so disappointed because two of my films got accepted, um, and they had to cancel the screenings because of COVID. Right. But one of them won Best Short, so that was pretty exciting. Which one was that? Uh, oh, my stars. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, it was exciting. But I so wanted to go. I so thought it, I just, oh, I, there's been so many things that got canceled in the film world. Um, but I also heard from countless festivals, because I just kept submitting, because a lot of them pivoted to do online screenings. Yeah. But I heard from so many of them that they had record high numbers of submissions. I think because a lot of filmmakers were kind of just sitting around and, Cleaning you know? up to what they had or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just was a time to maybe reevaluate. And a lot of festivals opened up, too, to not have a time frame. Like your film didn't have to be made, you know, after 2018 or something like that. A lot of them sort of opened up. So the number of films was just astronomically high. So the fact that we got in and got selected and got a couple of awards is just sort of like, wow, pinch me. That's pretty exciting, you know. When did did you write All My Stars? I did not. Lorna Landvik wrote that. Oh, how did how did you come? How did did she give it to you, or how did you come well, involved? We had uh, a mutual friend, and um, her friend Jan had taken some acting classes with me, okay. and knew that I was also a filmmaker, and um, so she put us together, and we had a couple of meetings, and I read the book uh, Oh My Stars so that I could have something smart to say about <laughs> the project. <laughs> And then she actually wrote two different versions of the script and let um, Greg Winter and I, who was my cinematographer, let us choose which one we felt the strongest about and took some advice and some, you know. But, I mean, she's just amazing. In three weeks, she turned out two beautiful screenplays, you know. Um, One that had a certain slant that was more towards the... um, seeing on screen more of the older narrator character yeah. and the other one that was really more in Violet, the protagonist in her young days, her story with the voiceover of her as an older woman. And then so, and you got it down to 20 minutes. Was that intentional or did you want to do more? Or? Well, this was really um, a proof of concept. Okay. So the end goal is we would love to be able to make a feature which would encompass the entire book. This sort of introduced you to the characters, a little bit of the world, a little bit of the um, inciting incidents, Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. um, Before we take a break, where did you guys film it? 
Did you film it here in Minnesota? Or? We filmed some of it in Minnesota, and we filmed a little bit of it in a place called Arkansas, Wisconsin. Isn't it weird? Yeah, it's yeah. pretty weird. There's a, Virgin- there's a Virginia, Minnesota here. I know. There's a Wyoming, Minnesota. So. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so a little half and half um, part um, of it. I would say, well, we had one day of filming in Wisconsin, but otherwise okay. the rest of it was all in Minnesota. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, we're going to take a little break with uh, and um, back more with Cynthia. In the not-too-distant future, following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh. Sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to The Last Comic Shop. Rate, review and subscribe to our weekly comic book reviews on all the major podcasting platforms at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Nick for the St. Paul Filmcast, and I want to talk to you about a great place here in the Twin Cities for your next social gathering event. It's the Serbian Hall in South St. Paul. The Serbian Hall in South St. Paul is now open. Built in 1924, it is a unique historic venue perfect to host your next wedding, social gathering, corporate event, or any kind of celebration. The hall has over 9,000 square feet of historic charm perfect for your event. With a ballroom upstairs and a classic bar and reception downstairs, it has the flexibility to meet all your needs. From start to finish, they'll help you coordinate with every detail. Book now for 2021 graduations. Spaces are filling up fast. Visit their website, www.serbianhall.com. You can also find them on Facebook. They just can't wait to work with you. Your next social gathering event, think the Serbian Hall in South St. Paul. Okay, we're back with Cynthia, and we were just talking about other movies, um, not particularly westerns. <laughs> <laughs> right, and the thing is, I really like every genre. I love drama. I have done some romantic comedy. Rom-com is, t- that's hard. You know, it's really hard. Because everybody knows the people that don't get along in the beginning of the movie are eventually <laughs> going to like each other, and that's why we enjoy them. Yeah. There's, you have to get the friction out first. And yeah. Sustain it, and yeah. Find out it's hard. Hey, speed's a rom-com. Speed, yeah. Oh, that yeah. is a rom comedy, and you yeah. put a speeding bus in. Yeah. That is a rom. I'll fight anybody. Well, and I think there's yeah. a lot of crossover, you know. I and I like that. I like dark comedy. I like dark comedy slash horror. I think you know, and that's misplaced trust is actually kind of funny, you know. And the whole idea was to sort of laugh at these women because they've all been, 
you it's know, awkward, isn't messed it? with. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, then the reckoning comes. <laughs> well, they all they all think they know better than the other ones, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love that kind of play. The comedy is almost yeah. like a little more. I always say comedy is the absence of maturity. Like you mm-hmm. do some things and actions that if you really thought about it mature, right. you wouldn't do. Right. And it's awkward. But yeah, right. misplaced trust, it's all, it's a trifecta of mm-hmm. I know better than you do, mm-hmm. which maybe Well, not. and it's sort of, I'm sort of playing around with also um, grown women acting like teenagers. Yes. You know, all yeah. sort of vying for the guy, you know, and all having their viewpoints and sort of getting caught up and manipulated by this man. And and then, you know, eventually we find out there's consequences for what happened. And it's almost, I've seen the movie, mm-hmm. and it's almost like it's not even so much they are attracted to the man they want. It's just that I get them, you don't. Well, right. Yeah. And that's the whole, you know, like the yeah. idea that that in mature years, women can still be acting like teen girls when it comes to a man, <laughs> you know? And I think that's kind of funny and Fucked up. <laughs> Screwed up. Sorry. Yeah. I probably shouldn't say that word. But, but My apologies. <laughs> we all but. kind of go back a little bit, no matter how old we get, a little bit of right. what right. we did as kids. Right. It gets a little and it has a really strong statement, you know, and I was, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit afraid to make the film because I thought, oh my gosh, what are people going to think about me? Because, you know, the way it ends and, and the ending statement um, by one of the characters is very... Oh, damning. It's very, it's very much an indictment yeah. about women's behavior. And, um, but they have but, to be diabolical to, yeah. for it to work. The, the other two have to be almost, they all have to be almost diabolical. Well, but it's, it's really about, you know, Hey, we can't have me too. Me too movement and have women Stabbing each other in the back. Right. There, there, yes. You know yeah. what I mean? That's yeah. and that's the statement that I was making. It was like, what is the what are you doing? You know, I mean, if you can't straighten out like not getting with other women's men, then what you know, like stop. Just stop. <laughs> you know, and I've had yeah. I was drawing on personal experiences, so it was a bit of an exorcism for me to to get rid of a little bit of angst that I've had and held on to. You know, for many, many years, from a lot of betrayal from men and women in that regard, you know. Well, and it definitely... So that's what's great about screenplays is you can write your stuff and get it out. And it's it was kind of nice because I really kind of moved on from that, and and it was cathartic. It's a little more lifting, right? If you pour it yeah. out there, it's almost it's almost yeah. like... Then you let it go. Yeah, yeah. Off you go. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. Is there other... Would you definitely explore other since you like other films and you don't got the western album, but mm-hmm. like musicals and other stuff or i'm not really interested in musical um that's the one that i would say not so doesn't really ring my bell <laughs> so i had a really productive pandemic um there was a lot of solitary time and i'm an introvert and um surprisingly i did okay I was alone a lot, really a lot, because I don't have a partner. So it was just me and my kitties, but um, I entered all of these screenplay competitions and um, did really well and created 16 new screenplays, which um, I 
I'm so excited because now I'm polishing them. I have given one to Janet Fogg that hopefully she's going to produce. And I specifically wrote screenplays with women of a certain age and with um, the lead and supporting roles going to women. So it was really a female-centric, creative, intentional endeavor because I wanted um, some of our great actresses in town who don't have great projects or great scripts to have some good material. I have something I wrote for Diana Wild, so she's looking at that, and I'm I'm in the process of rewriting a lot of these pieces. Um, but it's been an exciting time. Um, yeah, make sure anybody listening put down your. I want you to write it down. There are actresses, female actresses, that are older than forty five. That are really good. Yes, that are really good. And a lot of women in town have really worked at honing their skills. They've taken classes and, you know, they're doing they're doing stuff. Um, and they're super skilled. And there are nowhere near enough screenplays for women 45 plus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be, and then just make it in your notes. I think HBO's kind of figured it out because they, they, mm-hmm. they, they there's, there's some shows that have... Mm-hmm leads that are women are older right. than 45 they're right. not moms well, or david yeah. david e kelly has figured it out i think in part because he has a wife michelle pfeiffer who's of a certain age so you know he's been writing some great stuff and and yeah. for women who are older yeah. you know and i'm sorry but we're fascinating <laughs> yes yes <laughs> we're so much more than you know a sexy little thing um which you know i know that's seems to be the a lot hold a lot of appeal but you know if you expand yourself a little bit and check out some of these performances in these pieces with older women you know we're really interesting we got a lot to say yeah and we got a lot of confidence and we've got stories and experience and you know i love those stories i don't know it should be an avenue because there's just so many times we don't have that uh, right. when, you know, if all your older women, you're just going to spit spit out wise exposition for part <laughs> of the story, then off it goes. No, we can be pretty raunchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can be pretty raunchy. We can be funny. We can be angry as hell. You know, and and the the what you can be more than just wallpaper decorated. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So much more than decoration. Uh, when you write, <laughs> do you have a um, do you do names first? Um, or names come afterwards or yeah some yeah for me I think the names come pretty pretty quickly pretty quickly um do you I have a little project because obviously you talked about do you do costuming at the fifth store do you do kind of with names or just kind of let it sit and think they you? usually just kind of come to me I don't okay. know um it's like the not the most important thing for me um but you know, and I've gone through and changed names when I've realized that that doesn't that doesn't seem to fit at all. This person became someone else, you know. <laughs> um, I have to say, what was so fun about Misplaced Trust was that I actually wrote that screenplay. Lori Ruvers came to me and said she wanted to do a Z Fest project, and would I write a script? And so I said sure, and I came up with four different log lines, and then. Um, took one of them on a writing retreat and decided to expand it and did a very rough, pretty crummy first draft. And then I presented the ladies. Um, we decided we we kind of knew who we wanted to work with. Um, and so that's when we got Charla Marie Bailey and 
Gabby Del Morrill, and Allie Daniels. You got four. You almost, yeah. almost, you almost hit four home runs. I know. <laughs> They're awesome. They're just awesome. And I'd worked with um, three of the four in acting classes, and I had directed Allie before in a stage production, a stage project, and I thought she was marvelous. Um, this was before she started doing films, and I just thought she was incredible. Never forgot her. Um, but so it was fun. I had them in mind. And so I brought the four different things, and as luck would have it, I, I believe they picked the one. There were two of them they really liked. But they picked the one, and then I was able to say, and look, I created a first rough draft. <laughs> so <laughs> so they read it, and they just loved it. And they were like, wow, this is, has so much to say. I mean, this is a film that really has something to say. It does, and, yes. And, I would um, guess. Does. Yeah, and then it went through a lot of revamps and revisions I would say over very, a short period of time as some of you have already seen it it's very I thought it'd be very surface level mm-hmm. but there's a lot more to it yeah yeah I think you you it was very deceiving I thought okay this is they're not going to get along yeah mm-hmm. they're not going to get along and mm-hmm. I, I thought it would just be very surface level kind of a thing mm-hmm. with the tone and everything but yeah there's a lot more to it there's more to talk about it there's a lot more to it that I think you, even if you you have to almost rewatch it mm-hmm which is really good. You almost have to rewatch it even afterwards because if you watch it first time, right, it still looks like the right. only getting a surface stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And to kind of see what you missed. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Are you so worth writing? Do you? Are you? Can you? Are you disciplined enough to finish one before you start another, or does it happen where? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah I kind of can't be working on more than one at a time. Well, I shouldn't say that because now I have these 16 and I go back and forth moving through them revamping them revisiting um you know and bit by bit they're going out into the world and I'm submitting them to competitions to kind of get feedback and see if I'm you know if it's got a little bit of merit you know and especially um Cora's Cookies which um I, Danny Palmer is going to be involved with that and that one's set in 1957 she's another actress actress. <clears throat> excuse me um it's set in 1957 and that one's been doing really well it's been getting um semi-finalist finalist it's won some awards so that's you know i'm learning um what the strengths and the weaknesses are of that screenplay i've got more work to do on it and then um the other one i'm working on is the eye of doris which is a dark comedy and um I have Jamie Janik attached to that, so that's pretty exciting. She I just, love her. She just did um, our Z Fest with yes, uh, Jason I know. Schumacher. I know. She had a wonderful, wonderful yes uh, monologue scene in that one. Yes, with yes. Binky, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> she um, she studied with me for yeah. quite some time, and before she went out to Los Angeles, and so I was really excited when she came back. That because I and I. You know, I couldn't tell enough people that you have to work with Jamie because she's amazing. So she's been doing great, and I'm just really excited to work with her. Yes, so. I got to. Um, she's listening. I got to say hi to her very briefly at Z Fest. Oh, okay. Just say congratulations yeah. to her. So yeah. So yeah. Um, she's a funny little bug. Yeah. I well, the the, the script Binky. Mm-hmm. It's a funny little bug, but there's mm-hmm. more to it than yeah. just that, right? Yeah, I don't know it, but. Um, I look forward to seeing it. Okay, I will tell. That's all. It's named Binky, I think. I, I yeah, hope I get it. I saw it all about it, okay. but I haven't seen it. <laughs> so, and of course, Jason is a marvelous filmmaker. So, yeah. Jason is. Yeah, he. Yeah, he's. Mm-hmm. He's. Um. He also submitted an animation piece to the Z Fest as well. So, oh. 
he's one of those that's I don't he's always busy yeah <laughs> yeah he is I try he he wanted me to do his uh portrait so I did a sketch of him mm-hmm. but I try to make him look like a bad guy like a tough guy uh-huh. <laughs> just to mess with him yeah <laughs> and he's like that's not me I go yeah you are if you're a big bad bully <laughs> Yeah, which like, he's not. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, so with screenwriting, obviously you you it's like a like we said it's a process. Mm-hmm. I think it, everybody mm-hmm. thinks that you could just you sit at the computer and spit it out, but you're constantly working and retooling and editing oh, yeah. and um, Oh yeah. I would it's say going process. I would say if you want to be consider yourself a writer cuz I had many people approach me too and I'm I'm just starting out too but like I I'm a writer and I go well what do you have? Well I have one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's five or six before you really kick yeah. out five or six or more. Yeah. And just Well you, my next big challenge is I really do need to write another feature. I wrote one but I I've abandoned it. It's had its time. I've reread it. I think there's some things that are great about it, but for the most part, I'm just, I'm okay with letting that one go. Okay. But, um, yeah, I, I do have a screenplay that I think I want to turn into a feature. It's got, it's very timely and, um, and I've got like 35 pages in, so I think it's going to become a feature, but that's the challenge. And ultimately the ultimate goal is probably in about two and a half, three years. I want to I want to do a feature, yeah. but you know, it's all, it's all a process. And, um, I, I learned so much from the short films because I didn't go to film school. So the short films, I have an opportunity to learn and hopefully to grow and to, you know, get to know who's terrific here in town as far as crew and talent. And so by the time the feature comes, I will yeah. know. You can call them up, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, because it's, it's, but if a full feature, you're on set for what at minimum two weeks, or more. Right. Or three weeks. Yeah. Um, or and more. then you got to look for locations and everything. And oh, it's a huge undertaking. Just right. huge. I think. But you know, I have to do it. It's like the it's it's like if you're a filmmaker, you have to make a feature, and that's you know I just feel like that's the holy grail. Yeah, you, you got to make a one full mm. feature film. We have to have mm-hmm. it in the art. At least one. At least yeah. one, right? But then, getting there is is hard. Plus, I want to become a member of Film Fatale, or you know that group of women who've all in town who've all made features. I want to be in the club. <laughs> we can have the home office here if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're a great group of women. They, right. they are, and I, I just um, you know, I got to do what I got to do. Do you ever want to consider writing just a book, not just a I have. Play? Have you already? Yeah. Really? Well, it's actually, I co-wrote a memoir with um, a famous, one of Prince's musicians from the Revolution. His name's Mark Brown. He also goes by Brown Mark. Okay. And so this is a memoir, his memoir, and it's out right now. It's in bookstores. You can buy it on Amazon. It's called My Life in the Purple Kingdom. When did you come out? Uh, it released last September. Oh, okay. September of 2020. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what's the title again? My Life in the Purple Kingdom. Where it's a really people... fast read, Where breezy. Where can find it again? You can get it at Barnes & Noble. You can get it at local bookstores. Okay. You might have to, to call to make sure they've got it in stock. Um, but I was at a Barnes & Noble recently, and it was in stock. And then you can also find it on Amazon. So, And you wrote it. Yes, I co-wrote it. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I'm not a ghostwriter on it. I actually got my name's on the cover, which right. is exciting. Right. I have a I bio. Just, I was trying to circumnavigate around the question. No, I have it. a bio uh, in the on the book jacket. So, yeah, um, he sent me his stories. We, it took about three years for us to write it, and he would send me his stories. Um, he's a songwriter and a musician, um, and I'm a writer, so he would send me his stuff, and then I would rework it, and then, of course... A friend of mine um, who's with, she has had her work published with the University of Minnesota Press, introduced us to someone, and I sent over our manuscript, and they loved it, and so they agreed to publish it. So it's not self-published. We have an actual real publisher, which is exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it's 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 not a fast read. There's a there's a lot of no. It's a pretty fast read. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, it's very Sorry. breezy. See, but I don't it's listen. very interesting because it's um, there's a lot about the music scene in the '80s in Minnesota, in Minneapolis. So yeah. it's um, and what it was like to be a young black man living in the Twin Cities in the '80s. And then it took about three years and a lot yeah. of editing and all that stuff. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. it took uh, three years to write it off and on with me poking him asking for stories and then I would rework them and we put it all together and yeah so we've had I think we're up to 186 reviews 4.6 stars well that's amazing yeah it's not bad so many people enough people care enough to put that yeah right yeah Yeah. is there some is it would you want to continue to go back to that kind of thing of writing um you know I would like to write my own book um I don't know if I want to do memoir. Some partner with someone doing memoir again. It was a bit challenging. I like to work at a little faster pace, and so for it to take so long, <laughs> and kind of be to be pulling teeth to get the stories, that was challenging. That's my yeah. um, that's my thing. I need to work on. I go too fast. You go too fast. Way too fast. Yeah. I think I even talked way too fast. Yeah. And then if it doesn't. Right. I just don't have the patience, but that's just my mind yeah. goes fast, fast, fast. Yeah. So. Well, you know, there's the there's a right speed and there's a wrong speed, but. I know. You know. If I get if I'm writing my scripts and I, it's almost like you get ahead of myself. Oh yeah, sure. I have to take a break. Yeah. It's like oh, got it, because I'll miss words. I'll spell out something wrong because I want to get it out. Get it out. Uh, have to like. Yeah. Calm yourself down. Yeah. Well, I think what's super important in any creative endeavor. Is to have other people's eyes on your work. I agree. Whether yes. it's your writing, have more than one person proofread your stuff. You know, have get lots of opinions, get lots of feedback. All of that, I think, is so, so critical. It, it really is. is. You know, right. coming from qualified sources, of course. <laughs> you know, you're right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think you have to get mm-hmm. away from sharing with mom and dad, right, or your brother. Oh, that's right. wonderful, grandchildren. You have right. to go with people that've been doing this yeah. yeah and be prepared to hear things you might not want to hear but you need to hear right that's yeah. that's really crucial it is it is you know? uh is there a, with the you know the whole writing and music and everything um is it, it uh story we talked about that as well and not to mention themes and all that stuff um do you do visual do you think about it like storyboards or something like that um for a short film, I don't really do, you know, I, I don't do storyboards. There was a time when I did my very first project, and it felt a little overkill looking back at it. Yeah. Um, but what I did learn from Greg Winter, 
um, this, and it was so critical, it was so helpful, is I, I did a breakdown of every scene in writing, and I kind of talked about what that world was about and what was most essential in that frame and what was the tone that I was trying to convey. So I broke down each each um, scene yeah. in a way that it was super helpful to him and to some of the other crew members to, to look at that because it really gave them a sense of what my vision was. And, and, it, and it helped to prompt pictures for them, you know, also to see what was, what was going to be in that frame. And, um, it, it, I guess it would be like the equivalent of a storyboard, except it's written. Right. If yeah. that makes sense. No, I think and you I have talk to about the some... objects that I want to see in that shot. You know, how large is she or he in the frame? You know, what, what is the kind of movement? Is this more of a static moment is this is this more frenetic is there you know and then I I jot down thoughts that I have about the camera movement you know and they're just just ideas it's just kind of a starting point and then from there I write out my shot list with all of my um you know angles and whatnot that's um I I agree with the shot list that is a important thing to do Oh yeah, especially with cast and crew because they have know where we're going with this, and I hate paperwork, but it's a necessity, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it understands what we're gonna have to, what the emphasis and what we need to put mm -hmm. in it. Um, if you want to be a director, you're gonna have to do paperwork. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, you're gonna have to do lots of paperwork. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. think you can do a film without a shot list. I I, yeah. I mean, unless you want to do Gonzo and just yeah, which doesn't really yeah. Yeah, you don't necessarily, unless you're really experienced, I think maybe you could get away with that. But for the most part, you really kind of, you really kind of have to have that shot kind of a list. Structure so you don't leave something out that you're going to wish you had later. So you have coverage, yeah. you know. I mean, And I, I hate doing outlines. I really do. And I know where I want to go. But it's a mm -hmm. necessity tool to keep your mind on the highway rather than going off the rails. And, right. Um, right. And just like, I think it's almost like a shot list is an outline for the film. Mm -hmm. If we stick to this program, we're fine. Mm -hmm. um, but I also have great communication with your cinematographer. Um, right. I think if you find somebody that can sit down and talk to you and have great communication before you even right. get on set. That's so critical. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that's really critical is to, um, and I did it on some of my other films this last film I didn't which was you know I don't know why I don't know why I get well I think it's important to have the people that are going to be um, lighting the film to really look at that schedule that you've created and, and let you know if that setup's actually going to take longer than you expected so you know yeah. live and learn I mean <laughs> I you know every project is I mean to my way of thinking they have to keep getting better because you know you you're going to make mistakes on every single project you're going to you're going to make errors you know and no, hopefully I, I, from each one you learn and you do better the next time and do better the next time you know that's what i when i did my evaluations for other officials when i had to do my evaluations and i would be very critical it's all right to make mistakes but i don't want to go backwards right something that you've right going backwards like mm -hmm. you got lazy you got sloppy mm -hmm. that means you went backwards a little bit i don't yeah. mind making mistakes and going forward and we're understanding right. we're not going to do it again right. but if you're going backwards like it's getting worse sure or you get your fishing is getting worse or something like that then we right. have a real problem 
Right. And, you know, I think for me, the thing that I struggle with, and I always say to myself, be more like Greg or even Terry Birnbaum, who did Shot Misplaced Trust, um, or Erica Walmering, Walmering, who did um, Code Green. Be more like them. I always say that to myself because there's something so chill about them, you know, and I am still struggling with, I mean, I got a lot of fear going in. I'm not going to lie. I am kind of scared, witless, even though I've planned and I know I'm decent at what I do and I, I know what my vision is and I know, and I know, and I know, but still when it comes to being on set and filming, I am pretty much scared the whole time. I mean, it gets better as it goes on, but the whole time I sort of feel like, Oh my God! It's like being on a crazy roller coaster ride. Well, and, it is, right? I, and I, yeah, and it's very, um, it's kind of anxiety-producing, and and I can't wait for the day that I feel like I can actually breathe a little more and <laughs> <sighs> sort of settle into it. But I don't know that I ever will because it hasn't changed yet, and I've been making a, I've made a lot of movies now. So, um, you know, I think, I think it makes me sometimes a little bit tight and sometimes a little bit tense and a little bit restricted. So I'm doing my best to learn to kind of like loosen up on that. And, um, and again, it goes back to that, what I said at the very beginning, like cutting myself some slack. And I gotta say, I think that one of the things that I came out of the pandemic realizing was that my whole life I've been so damn hard on myself. I really have. Well, no, I don't think we all are. I think there's a lot of people that aren't hard on themselves at all. But for me, I've been so hard on myself and so worried about being and doing everything perfectly that, um, you know... It really changes your perspective and you realize that, you know, there's a piece of this where you should actually be having fun, you know, and I, I really hope that with my next projects to really embrace that and to lighten up and not be so hard on myself. I'm sorry for having right. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, 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 you know, I think not being so hard on myself, then maybe I'll be a little more, I'll be looser with my actors too, you know, that maybe I'll. I feel like I'm going to see things a little differently. I think so, right? You know? Yeah. yeah. could probably come out with the writing a little bit, right? Yeah. Well, in that, that time in isolation, you know, I'm going to tell you, Nick, I went back and I examined things in my life that I haven't. You know, like behaviors and critical relationships and looked at events that sent me on one kind of trajectory or another. Um, I looked at disappointments and saw them differently and kind of worked out some emotional stuff that I think I really hadn't because I think we get so caught up in getting things done and making money in trying to, you know, make a living, trying to be artistic and support that. I mean, there's so many things, but there was like this whole other 
there was there's like reservoir of stuff that I, I like never that word, yeah. realized was there. And thanks to the pandemic and all this alone time, I mean, I came up with some amazing stories and scripts and I really worked out some stuff that I think I needed to let go that had a lot to do with the whole idea of being so hard on myself and not cutting myself slack and worrying about being perfect. Um, I don't know what happened to other people because of the pandemic, but I know I'm, I'm coming out of it a different person and I'm hoping I'm going to be stronger. Well, it probably will eventually go to a different focus, right? Because after the whole introspective, it's going to change what comes out of you. Right. Right. The thing that's challenging for me now though, is that, um, I like the solitude. I like the alone creative spaces, <laughs> which is part of why I'm I'm not wanting to really go back and teach. And I loved I loved teaching and I loved my students and I still think about them all the time and I think about some of the work that I saw happening in my classes that was so um revelatory. I loved seeing them have an aha moment. I love those times when Someone like you could see the lights go on and and they would have just done something where they completely let themselves go and were moving everybody in the class, you know, but um, I really liked my own company and I really like writing. And so I think that that's how I want to spend my time and coming back out into civilization has been really challenging. Like even coming to do this was challenging it's, it's, it's that initial impulse right it's like yeah Who yeah and i'm i'm a natural born introvert i'm i can make myself be an extrovert but i am a, i am definitely an introvert sorry right. i married one <laughs> did you <laughs> yes i did yeah, yeah. you want to go out to your party and have fun and feed off that energy fine right it's just gonna drain the hell out of me right <laughs> i'm the same way i'm the right. same way and i i'm a, I'm a crasher so I, I'm, uh, I, when I go to bed, it's it's I'm physically exhausted. I'm a crasher. Really? I go up, to, I go until I can't go anymore. I'll watch movies, I'll write, wow. I'll do everything until I just wow crash. And my wife is a deflator. She decompresses. She right. has little steps she has to do right before we get to sleep. And I just I don't have stages. I'm gonna keep going, going. I'm like, yeah. all right, crash. Oh, how funny. And how then, funny <laughs> so but she's a different she's a deflator which is you have to watch your stories and then mm-hmm. get in that cycle of just mm-hmm. sleep and everything so yeah different differences <laughs> do you think it helps a little bit with the writing a little bit introverted a little bit because oh a, yeah calm, i think so calm your brain down yeah and, um i think so and can it's, you, do you do you have a little like sanctuary like where you write or can you write anywhere or I can write pretty much anywhere. I, hate I mean, last, I'm so jealous. Well, yeah, last summer I wrote outside a lot. Did you really? I would sit outside with my laptop in the shady little spot behind our building, and um, boy, I, I got a lot done there. Good. Um, yeah, Good. yeah. I'm happy that I need a, like my little spot where I dial down the world. Maybe oh, it's yeah. just because my brain is firing everywhere. And I'm sure, sure. I just want to like shut down the world, shut mm-hmm. down my phone, shut mm-hmm. down the world, and then I can yeah. think about it. Yeah. So, right. And I do like to listen to music that puts me in the space of the, yeah, of the piece. Yeah, okay. yeah. There's something about listening to music. It's a it's an acting technique too, that I learned when I was in Los Angeles before I'd have to go and do some scene work or monologue would be to listen to certain kind of music that 
You love music put on me set. emotionally in the right space. No, we don't okay. do that. No. no. But no music on set. But in the process of yeah, in the process of writing or um, if I'm preparing some acting work, because I still am an actor too. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, this is it, Cynthia. Awesome. This that is went fun. fast. I know. It, it kind of goes fast when you talk about I love yeah. talking about writing and all that stuff. Yeah. And I love, I love the different point of view because everybody says when you're writing, you need to do this and this and this. And I just think, do what works for you. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not going to be the same for everybody. Not no. at all. No. And, you know. And I think if you have a good story, like we emphasize, get an mm-hmm. outline done. If you, mm-hmm. you want to be a director, you want to do paperwork, get the shot list done. Mm-hmm. And find a good cinematographer that you can have a good relationship and yeah. talk about. And, good communication. It's so yeah. important. It is. So important. And there has to be a lot of compromising that goes on, too. Because there are going to be times when, you know, you and your cinematographer are not going to see the thing the same way. But at the end of the day, the director gets to say this is how it's going to go this is what i need and the director is the chief the director's at the top so it rolls down from the director everything and that's a really hard thing to do if you're not accustomed to sort of being the one in charge but people really are looking to you and at the end of the day your name is on the film as the director and you are supposed to have directed the cinematographer and the sound people and the wardrobe and you are in charge of everything and so all the responsibility is on you so that means the decisions are yours not that you can't take feedback because that collaboration definitely has to happen but if you ever really feel strongly about a certain kind of shot that you want there shouldn't be an argument with your cinematographer about it. They should be listening to you. One of my favorite stories is from Young Frankenstein mm-hmm. with Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder. Where we're going to do the put on the, the put on the Ritz mm-hmm. scene. Oh, I love that. It's so and funny. Mel didn't think it was good. Like, it was too slapstick. He mm-hmm. thought it was not going to work. And him and Gene fought for days to the point where Mel Brooks left the meetings. Wow. And then finally he came to, you know what? It's your script. We'll put it in there. Right. And he goes, really? He goes, well, you've been fighting me for two days straight, <laughs> so it must work. You must believe in it, and right. it's the, one of the best right. memorable it's, scenes. It's one of the most memorable things in there. That's and so then funny. it worked out so well that Mel Brooks came up to him after where he goes, next time that cranky old man comes up to you and fights you, you tell him to leave. <laughs> That's hilarious. But I, I think that is an important story to realize. If you believe in something, mm-hmm. if you, tr- you really, really fight for it. Right, and here's the thing where compromise can work. So let's say your cinematographer says, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I want to do this. Then you say, I tell you what, we'll do some your way, and we're going to do mine too. There. And then you get to choose. You get to decide when you see the footage which one works better. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to go either way. Sometimes (laughs) the cinematographer will be right, and sometimes the director will be right. Yes. But... You can't. You don't want to go back afterwards and be regretful because you did. You had a vision and you didn't follow through. That's painful. Sorry. That's really painful. Yeah. So as long as you're there, it's going to take some time, but do both. Yeah. 
you know. That's good. I, and like I also that. like to tell actors sometimes, you know, he, you know what? Let this last. We're gonna do one last take. Do whatever the heck you want. Throw away everything that I've told you. Oh, the one for fun. Yeah, do one just for you. I do. I always say that one. Yeah. Let's do one for fun. One for fun. One for you. Do it the way you want to do it. Yeah. What'll make you happy? You know. I think that everybody likes that. All right, yeah. we got one for fun. Ready? Yeah. Yeah. Get your mark right. Well, yeah. Cynthia, thanks for coming. Yes. Thanks for um, having me, Nick. But let's wrap up. Uh, how can people find your stuff? Uh, I have a website. It's uh, in the moment studio. Dot B I Z. We'll put the link down there. Yep. Yes. And um, you know, I'm on Facebook, and uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So. Yes, we'll put the yeah. We'll put the link of LinkedIn down there as yep. well. So, so, well, thank you. Thank, thank you for me. having me. This was fun. And as you, uh, everybody knows, it's not over till the guests say it's over. Um, it's over. Yay! <laughs>